0: The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 non-profit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com.
1: The Formed Book Club. Catholic book lovers unpacking good books chapter by chapter welcome to the formed book club we continue to discuss the drama of Aedes a humanism by under thebachch we finished the first and main part of the book three parts basically we're going to part four uh, called "Mystical confrontations interesting title Uh Part four was never part of the original book, and the book itself was kind of a collection of things she'd written and put together. Uh, It'd be interesting to perhaps go quickly over this, but I don't think we can because in part four, chapter one, which is the search for a new man, you'll notice that unlike the other chapters previously, there's not as many footnotes because he's really speaking himself it's so profound, it's so beautiful that I just want to spend time on that, Joseph, take us forward
2: okay, well, I agree with you there's 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 so much in this which is really rich and and worthy of our attention so i uh, I don't see any real point in 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 uh, rushing um so actually uh, my first comments are on the introductory couple of pages before chapter one begins for 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 uh real so to speak, so on page three hundred and ninety seven Um, He asked the question, how will the Christian behave in the presence of all those hopes and that whole search that he observes around him concerning a new man? So obviously this book so far has looked at the various philosophies of the 19th century, various forms of atheist humanism that have sought a new society uh, and a new humanism and a new man. Well, how should Christians respond? Uh, And then below that, uh, what solution will he offer? That's the Christian. For this new state of the problem of the relations between the temporal and the eternal. In a thousand forms, with respect to a thousand subjects, the question is being posed everywhere today, provoking two antagonistic answers optimism or pessimism, social action or eschatological expectation. In other words, uh, um, reform and revolution in terms of society, that's the optimistic view, to, progressing towards the new society, the new man or eschatological expectation, it's uh, the end of the world. Um, so uh, that, I think, sets the, the scene here. But look at this footnote, if I may, which he, he puts in here, after the first reference to the new man. Since the time these pages were written, this expression, the new man, has been used increasingly in certain countries as a politico-spiritual slogan and a pretext for religious persecution. It has entered into the language of certain Christians Christian circles, with a meaning completely different from that given in Christian revelation. Um, so, again, obviously he's writing this. Uh, this is this is written a bit later, I think. You probably know this more than me. But uh, he, this is talking about a lecture he gave in 1947, which was, of course, just after the defeat of the Nazis, but uh, with also the radical expansion of Marxism through the uh, the, the establishment of the Eastern Bloc, following at the Alter Agreement, and uh, on the brink, of course, of uh, of the revolution in China, which would d- develop another large chunk of the world into the search and the quest for the new man. But maybe, Father, you know when when this because you've got 1983 in in brackets then at the bottom of the footnote. When was this 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 part written? Do you know?
1: When was what?
2: This part the, 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 these words I've just read. When well, were they you- written? Uh, by the Luback, because they appear to be later.
1: Well, I don't know what the 1983 means, but I mean, this was done in 1947, this part. Of the New Man.
2: Okay. It's just that the footnote references 1983 there, which
1: confused me. It is confusing. But he says at the top, quote, the search of the new man, unquote, develops a lecture, develops a lecture I was asked to give at Cévinces Social in Paris 1947.
0: But so maybe uh,
1: he re- revised it later,
0: right? Because 1949 yeah. is mentioned in the footnote that begins on 398 and spills over to 399. So uh, and other works that are even later. So it could have been something that he worked on over time, beginning in 1947.
1: Which is a, which is characteristic of him. He'll give a talk, and that gets printed out, and he'll start to make notes on it and. Put in the other quotes and then he'll make a little article out of it and then a book out of it so it's possible I don't know the the, the when, genesis when, of this thing when did he die father he died in 1991
2: okay yeah so this could this could have been these these this, these introductory comments at least could have been written in 1980 yeah. in the early 80s perhaps
1: also as a general remark um, you know he he takes Marxism as a theoretical, theoretical, philosophical position, very seriously, oh, yeah. and I think in America we're never so theoretical. And also, Marxism seems like it's a fringe uh, element that we see in universities and whatever. But the the underlying principle of Marxism, whether the name is used or not, is very dominant today. This this whole idea of of Homo Faber, the man who technologically makes himself more and more, takes charge well, of evolution and so on. And without God, in uh, that, in order to become fully human, you've got to cut off this illusion of transcendence. All that is practically happening today. Yes. So I think his analysis of it is, uh, is contemporary, even though it's more theoretical than we would probably do in our cultural milieu.
2: Yeah, I think I think that the label of Marxism is less used over here by those who are actual de facto Marxists. Um, or, you know, in, in, in Europe, you know, it's a badge of honor to call yourself a Marxist over here. It never caught on in that way. So people that, that have those ideas tend to give themselves different labels. But they're basically saying the same thing. Right. Right.
1: Joseph, you're in charge here.
2: Well, if I'm still in charge, then maybe we can go on to the beginning of chapter one, because there's something I want to quibble about with friends and people I admire greatly who shall remain nameless, um, uh, the the term Christian humanism. So he... he, um, Oh,
0: before you do, Joseph, may I point out something on page 398 that's going to end up being really important later on?
2: Sure, please. Uh,
0: He says... uh, Uh, He talks about the eternal. This is the bottom half of uh, 398 or the middle of the bottom where he talks about the eternal temptation of man, which is always resentment toward God. And he's going to bring this up much later again uh, about the chief temptations facing us right now. And the underlying thing being this resentment toward God, and so I wanted to point it out that it's a it's it's a motif
1: right. that he's, he's going he's, to repeat. Yes, yeah, so he's speaking about Nietzsche here as kind of a exemplary, yes, uh, representative. Of it,
0: so. Yes, Nietzsche is the representative, but this is uh, not just a Nietzschean problem, as he's going to help us see right. later on.
2: Yeah, and we actually still on page 398 then. I mean, he does mention here about Nietzscheanism uh, throws out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, uh, um, because uh, in in its uh, in its nihilism and its desire to escape from the clutches of God, it has to throw out uh, the whole of civilization, which belief in God has actually built. So it's left with literally nothing. And then the other primary difference about Nietzscheanism, right at the bottom there, it beats the true down over the useful. In other words, the big, the, the big split. It ultimately in theology between the uh, between the quest uh, for truth, the objective reality, and the desire for power, um, in, in, in order to, to to dominate. So and um, what he's
0: going and what he's going to develop is that this now is is more disguised. It isn't brazenly Nietzschean anymore. It's it's more disguised as being, uh, you know, this. This desire to control and dominate the world uh, for our own benefit, presumably. You know, well, you can't kind of do that unless there's already a beginning resentment, if you will, toward the way things are. And to have the discernment between which of those things we may actually struggle against to make our lives better and which of those are actually being itself that you're struggling against. And so it becomes more nuanced. In our own time, how many people run around quoting Nietzsche? Some do, but a lot of people simply talk like him, even though they might not even know anything about him.
1: Right. right. In the middle of page exactly. 398, referring to Nietzsche's nihilism, he says, it can be instructive to observe at close range in a privileged case, just where this deadly decision leads. And so the whole point here is that Nietzsche is kind of an extreme example but once you see what he's thinking, what he's doing, yeah. all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait a minute, this is being unsaid or, you know, done in a subtle way, but it's the same it's, principle. It's
0: the same temptation.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, and many people, I think, have sort of accepted a Nietzschean way of seeing things without even knowing that that's what they're doing because it's sort of right. the air that you breathe, so to speak. So yeah, moving on to page ninety nine. I, I must confess that I have always been a little bit uneasy with the term Christian humanism, and I have friends who are uh, very emphatic about, the, about their, their championing of it. So I was intrigued here at the beginning of this and what, um, uh, what de Lubeck has to say. Uh, it is a question of knowing if there is a Christian humanism. More than one Christian contests it, and for serious reasons. Either this expression risks risks suggesting that Christianity would come merely to crown a humanism already wholly constituted without it, or one is anxious to recall that the essential object of revelation is not man, but God, that the Christian must seek God, not himself. And eternal life is this, to know you, the one true God. And then a footnote there, J.T. Sussure writing in uh, Alec Holder Calvin, it is, quote, it is being faithful to the Christian experience to begin by talking of God in order then to descend to man. And this is really my position. I've always been un- uneasy with Alexander Pope's famous maxim that the best study of man is man. It seems to me that the best study of man is the creator of man. And you you begin with theology uh, and you get your anthropology from the theology and not the other way around. So that's why I sort of uh, I, I was quite pleased to see the Lubacks discussing this in this way.
1: Well, it's a famous statement, too, from God of his in Vatican II, which John Paul II picked up, that, you know, the God-man reveals man to himself. It's, it's through Christ that we find out who we really are. Well, right.
0: indeed. uh the yeah. Lubach here on 400, quoting St. Irenaeus, this famous line, Gloria Dei vivens homo, meaning the glory of God is man alive, meaning man as part of being <laughs> Man has no existence if there weren't already God. Uh, exactly, yeah. and
2: insofar as we know ourselves, we know ourselves through the true man who is Jesus Christ. So the revealed man,
0: right? So, but I think De Lubac is is a, maybe perhaps a little more sympathetic with trying to define a Christian humanism is if there's such a thing, uh, only because um, so long as we don't misunderstand what it means, only because he would say. That precisely what you just said, Joseph. Man knows himself in knowing God. He knows himself, and so if anything, Christianity is the real humanism. The real right. under the Christianity above everything else is the one that truly elevates man to his highest dignity.
2: Yeah, if if, if by humanism we mean the true humanism by looking at the true human who's Jesus Christ, I have no yeah. problem. Of course, it's about how you define your terms, it's just that right. often when people use the word Christian humanism, they're a bit blurred in, in, in exactly to what extent they are humanist in the broader non-Christian sense, and they're trying to sort of append that to Christianity, which I think is doing things the wrong way around.
0: We'll return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Doudreau, and Joseph Pierce in just a moment.
1: Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
2: Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez and I want to ask you to support discerning hearts in a special way. Or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
0: We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezzio, Vivian Doudreau, and Joseph Pierce.
1: And I want to take every opportunity I can to correct the false impression given if only this passage, is, this phrase, is expressed. And Dilubat does correct it here. But Irenaeus, brilliant really Irenaeus, says, Gloria Dei, the glory of God, vivens homo, is a man who is alive, comma, vita hominis visio Dei, the, the life of man, is the vision of God. What makes man alive is his relationship to God, is contemplating God. So uh, this quote has often been misused, that as long as we are fully human, you know, in the way we define it, that that we're giving glory to God. No, full humanity is known only in contemplating God, particularly God as he's become incarnate in Christ.
0: And related to that point, Father, is... Uh, you know, we don't know God the way we think we can. <laughs> and and therefore, we don't really know ourselves completely either. We're a mystery to ourselves. And so Lubach points this out on 401, um, uh, you know, that it was a top ma- man is always so far from having penetrated the depths of his faith or from having drawn the consequences of it. It is something completely different, my friend. Who is he quoting here? On footnote seven. Le uh, Bo. Okay. Uh, it is something completely different, my friend. Believe me, it is much, much more than you have ever up till now been given to glimpse. And I thought immediately of one of the themes of Hans Urs von Balthasar, God the ever greater. You know, that, that uh, so we have. And so one of the things that de Lubac is going to warn us against is all of these forms of reductionism. You know, as soon as we think we understand something and we box it in and now we can just get on with making it better or making it bigger or whatever it is we're going to try to do to it, we've already now entered a dangerous zone of thinking we understand this thing more completely than we really do.
2: Absolutely. And again, the one one anchor, if you like, is the person of Jesus um, because he shows us who we are in a way which is relatively concrete, right? It's not esoteric uh it's not um uh something which is transcendent i mean it is but the point is it's anchored in in an incarnated reality and he shows us who we are and that's why the the revelation revelation of christ is so essential for us to have a a deeper understanding of who we are as made as the imago dei
1: well yeah he shows us who we are kind of a double sense one uh because he is god and perfect man and sinless that's definitely not what we are we're not perfect and sinless. He shows us what we're called to be right and cannot be on our own, but he shows us sin not in his own action but in what is done to him mm-hmm. uh, and, right. and how man mistreats man, so to speak yes you're in charge joseph
2: okay well over the over the coming pages uh me now into section two here of this chapter he. He talks about the, uh, the essential the, the facts that's brought about the, the idea of the new man, the Ede Force, as he calls it, that has emerged. And the first of these, at the, bod- the bottom of page 403, is faith in science. And the second is how this faith in science is then put to use, what he calls in the middle of page 405, operating science, which is completely oriented toward the possession of the world. So the faith in science, if you like, metamorphosing into uh, 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 science as something which seeks to dominate nature uh, and, um, and subjugate it to the will of man.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going to see that he, he takes this idea of getting rid of transcendence and using man's intelligence to to dominate nature, and then eventually dominate man himself, saying, that's not totally wrong. It's if, if you leave out transcendence, you destroy man. So he's going to say on page 406, I think, where you are, Joseph, by uh-huh. 10 lines down, the idea of a new value and a new significance of human work sprang up everywhere and gradually conquered mind. So this idea of the value of, of work in transforming nature. In this capitalism and socialism, those two great antagonistic forces were in agreement. Mm-hmm. They were like two faces of the same movement that carried away the entire century. A new type of civilization was conceived and began to be achieved the industrial type of civilization, the civilization of work. And he's not going to disparage work, but he's going to oppose the reduction of society to our technological control of nature. And then on the next, in the next paragraph, but 10 lines from the bottom, he says, to the transformation of nature, they thought, must thus be added the transformation of society. That is, if man is going to dominate nature for his own purposes, well, he can also then construct a system, construct a society for his own purposes.
0: Right, and that is his third point. Uh, Joseph, you started outlining that he has, you know, three facts of the consciousness of the modern age. Right. And the first one, this faith in science. The second one, the turning to applied science. We don't need any theoretical science anymore. That's not important. Just show us how we can do stuff. Technology. And then ultimately, and show us what to do to ourselves, Oh, social engineers. That's the
2: yeah, third you point. Father just quoted there social science gave rise to social engineers. So the process seems to me that if you begin with the faith in science, uh, as a good in itself right that knowledge is a good in itself both good and evil uh, and then that that metamorphoses into uh uh the idolization of technology the use of such knowledge to dominate nature and then that metamorphoses into knowledge of such uh, such ability to dominate nature to actually dominate society so we actually end up dominating ourselves uh, as, as a collective group
0: yes and in doing so, he says elsewhere, we were made to be kings and we end up slaves.
2: <laughs> yes, you indeed, know? exactly. There's great that is irony the ironic,
0: ironic outcome of this. Great uh, irony. Mm-hmm.
2: Page 408, unless someone beats me to it, um, Julian Huxley here, the, you know, get, uh, another atheist humanist of the 19th century, uh, says uh, it substituted uh, the possibility of conscious control of evolution for the previous mechanism of the blind chances of variation. In other words, that what this achieves in the the minds of these atheist humanists is that we are liberated from the blind chance of evolution up to there. We can actually now become controllers of evolution. We become the gods of our own destiny through the power that technology has given us over nature and over ourselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, it's a great reset. The Fourth Turning, World Economic Forum, Homo Deus, Transhumanism. This is all part of the idea that 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 we can be dom. We can dominate nature in such a way that it's our choice, our will only that directs it. And he will later on talk about the reaction to that. Is let's not touch things. Let's just accept things as they are. You know, let, let let's accept God's providence and God's nature and just. Uh, live in that no he said, we said we are made I, we'll see this later josh you probably picked it up but he has a tolkien theme here of being a sub-creator you know that we we, we cannot simply record what's happening in nature and submit ourselves to it we are called to transform nature mm-hmm.
2: okay well i've got i've got a page ten. a point of controversy which might be fun for us to discuss did
1: you say controversy uh, did you say uh, controversy I did say controversy. Yes, unheard not, of. Not not controversy. It's controversy, isn't it?
2: <laughs> That's I, what I say. Well, the
1: British say controversy. Do, I do love they? The well, I thought I don't they know.
2: did. I, I've been over here for so long that I have right. no idea what language I'm speaking in well, anymore. I'm sorry.
1: I don't want to start a controversy or no, a controversy.
2: No, no, no. Let's not start. A, let's not start a controversy over controversy. Let's let's start okay, a controversy so over something page else. Page
1: four oh nine, just the, the beginning yeah. of the section. Section yeah. three. He says uh, that this belief in the power of rational organization, which is the idea of using man's mind to kind of you know, shape nature and so on, was at least in part a compensatory phenomenon in a century in which certain irrational forces were unleashed more violently than ever. So obviously, you know, we get these world wars in here mm-hmm. uh, and the irrational. So that, let's let's try and control this. You know. All right, go ahead, Joseph.
2: Well, yeah, and it's also an irony there, of course, and that the, the growth of rationalism does not end uh, uh, the uh, the outbreak of irrational activity, not least, least of which is war. Um, so, middle the middle of page four hundred ten, he says that after all, it's not happiness that man seeks; it is not pleasure. And then a footnote from Paul Clodel: there is nothing for which man is less made than a happiness of which he tires more quickly. And like the discussion over humanism and Christian humanism, surely this depends on what we mean by happiness, right? Yes. Um, and it's it's not made clear here.
1: I have a big question mark there. I want to check the original text because we are made for happiness mm-hmm. and beatitude, you know. Mm-hmm. But if if it means pleasure and you know, comfort in this world, we're not made for that, that's for sure. Right, right
2: exactly. That and it would have been it would have been good, I think, for him to make that distinction there. So that's why I highlighted it. But we can yep. move on now that we We've, we've highlighted it. <laughs> so I've got something on 4.11. Does anybody have anything before that? It's next page, basically.
1: I do, too. Where on 4.11 do you have it?
2: Go ahead. Uh, four lines down. Okay. So that's so me? Mm-hmm. Go for it. So uh, some questions. Is it not, in fact, a forbidden dream that is at issue here, a demoniacal ambition? If catastrophe must be predicted for it, is this not because man is in the process of biting into the forbidden fruit, of usurping a role that cannot be his, of upsetting the order of the cosmos and encroaching <laughs> on the rights of God? So again, these are very, very good questions. They're they're rhetorical, up to a point within the context, but I think they are also literal questions that need to be addressed. That, that this is these are this idea of a new man, the ideas of atheist humanism are ultimately uh, manifestations of pride in the theological sense of the word. And the consequences of that are exactly what what those questions are pointing to here. And we can expect uh, a fall um, that's going to be the consequence of the pride that animates this movement.
0: And yet he makes the distinction between that pride that you rightly describe and what Father said earlier about our being made in the image of God, being made co-creators or sub-creators uh, that we are, in fact, supposed to use our minds and hands to make life better to for ourselves, to overcome the things that enslave us. Uh, and so to have the discernment to know when what I am doing or trying to do is a fruit of pride, this rebellion against God that's a resentment of God, and when am I actually fulfilling my purpose as a creature made in the image of God? And that's what he starts to go into here about um, trying to differentiate between just a reaction to the pride project, right? We don't right. we don't want to just be reactionaries against the pride project and just write it all off, as he says. Um, it is scarcely more than with some, it is scarcely more than a reflex of timidity or nostalgia for the forms of life and culture whose undeniable charm have vanished from ever forever from our eyes. Through the effects of a retrospective illusion, the price paid for these forms of life is often forgotten. He-
2: yes, yeah, that, 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 I agree. That, so he, there he's sort of uh, making a cautionary nod in the direction of uh, a blithe and bland romanticism. Right. Um, and I agree with that. It, it's, it's really the choices between um, use and abuse or, should we say, husbandry and domination, right? Yes. I mean, we have to yes. work in harmony with God's gifts and not just abuse them. That's, that's, that's the real key here.
1: And he sums it up in the following sentences of what you quoted, uh, Vivian, with others, an exacerbated romanticism develops an opposition in principle to any technical civilization and substitutes for the outdated idol of progress, the new idol of the curse of progress.
0: Right. Right.
1: Now, I mean, uh, Joseph, I, I, I'm a fan uh, and I think he's a saint, J.R. Tolkien, but he didn't curse progress, but, you know, in Lord of the Rings, uh, where's the where are the mechanisms? You know, where, where are, the, where are the, the cars and the airplanes and the, air, the... Orthanc is the only place where you hear the clank of machinery, and that's because Saruman is, has gone on the wrong side. So w- would you say that the Chesedon, Lord of the Rings, is submitting or, or uh, falling into the... Te- sub- what am I saying here? Temptation. Uh, what am I trying to say about temptation when you fall into it te- when you when you're tempted and you fall? What is that called?
0: Sin. <laughs> no, yeah, it, but,
1: is he Is he acquiescing to this temptation of rejection of all of technological culture?
2: Yeah, I I, I um I think that's a very good point is that if there's a section which you and I will be looking at um in a couple of weeks when we back to, together again in in, in Florida uh, from his essay on fairy stories where he talks about uh, the building of uh, car factories on the edge of oxford and um and uh, his uh, being confronted by a student who thought this was progress and 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 um Tolkien begged to differ so you know i I think with Tolkien we are we are being uh, confronted with someone whom if we wanted to be uncharitable we might con- con- uh, con- condemn as being a, a neo-luddite one who cursed progress and curses machinery i think what he's doing to be because i'm an admirer of him and perhaps have the same tendency myself um you know I, I i think it's a it's a much needed um corrective, corrective yeah yeah to 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 to, to this blind belief in progress he's saying no let's put the brakes on here and let's take our breath shall we now, i think that's really what that what 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 he's doing is wanting to to uh not go gung ho but to actually wave the red flag of, of caution
0: okay
1: Thomas. This is i giving think it's the time. time we're never going to finish this session because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so rich let's conclude here for this session and we'll take it up again uh, hope to see you next session god bless you all If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Formed Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at FormedBookClub.Ignatius.com.